0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Praise God. Mark chapter 11 we're going to read from today. Mark chapter 11, so if you could turn to that in your Bibles. And if you're listening online, we welcome you. And we ask that you would turn to that as well. It's also going to be on the screen here. I'm reading from the uh, New International Version. And we're going to pick up in verse, verse 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 11. It says this, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. And he looked around Everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, It is not written, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. And in the morning as they went along... They saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Wow. Verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Amen. I want to talk to you today kind of on the subject of prayer because I believe that this story, it's interesting, when we read the Bible sometimes and we we look at specific stories, so if we were to preach on the turning of the tables and Jesus going into the temple and kind of the fact that it's, it's okay sometimes to have anger, righteous anger for the zeal for the Lord, we could look at that aspect. But Sometimes I'm a person who likes to look at the Bible and look at the stories and the context in which uh, stories are put. And particularly this story is actually surrounded by, the temple story surrounded by a story that's happening with Jesus speaking to a tree. It's actually all about prayer. I believe that Jesus um, is teaching his disciples and the Pharisees, the chief teachers of the law, a very similar principles about prayer. Um, do you know that Jesus is not just uh, telling the Pharisees about prayer, he's teaching his disciples. Some of us, we've been following the Lord for a number of years, and we can be walking with the Lord every single day as such, reading our Bibles, but probably never praying. You can be spending time and say, I'm a Christian, you could have got baptized, got your certificate, been on the Alpha course, you've done all the things, but actually, you could probably say today, and maybe God is speaking to you right now, that actually you know in your heart that your prayer life is just non-existent in some cases, or pretty much a few minutes a day. And actually the reality is, your prayer life is actually your basis for relationship. Pentecostal preachers love to always say, uh, charismatics love to say, you know, we're not following a religion, we're following a re- we have a relationship. It would be interesting to know how much relationship we are having rather than saying that. Because the line sounds good. It sounds good on the fridge on a magnet. But the reality is, are we spending time talking with the Lord? If I was to say to you, you're in a relationship with someone and you talk to them on the phone or you text them or whatever you do. You like communication. And if we don't have communication with Jesus, then we can't really say we're having a relationship. Jesus here is talking about the significance, the importance of prayer relationship with him and I want to just bring out some points today to help you understand through this story what I believe are sometimes the root cause problems that affect us in our lives in our communication our prayer walk but not just our prayer walk but in our passion and zeal for Jesus how many of you want the Holy Spirit to breathe on on the coals of your heart how many of you want Jesus to do something in you where you want to pray to Him, not because it's a, a ritual, but you want to pray because the Holy Spirit is calling you into that, into His presence and you want to spend time with Jesus? You know, I don't want to be uh, ritualistic in my faith. I want, to, I want to spend time with the Lord because I want to be with Him. And I believe that's what Jesus is, is, is teaching in these scriptures. The title of this is, More Than Meets the Eye. More than meets the eye. Because I believe what Jesus does in our lives is he he looks at us and he's always looking at us and always looking at our daily walk. And he analyzes us because he knows everything about us. The Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. So he knows everything about you. He sees everything we do. He sees our lives. He sees what you do when you leave here and you look really holy but then you get back home and you're not so holy. He sees what you do. Proverbs 15.3 says this. The, the, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. He keeps watch over the wicked and the good. Come on. He's watching you and he's watching. You know, I, if, if I ever go to the shops with my kids, if I ever need them to, to, to be, behave when I'm looking around the shops, I just tell them to look up at the CCTV cameras and say, the CCTV cameras are watching you. I always have to find one first. They say, where's the camera, dad? So say, that camera's watching you, son. You better behave. It's amazing what a camera does. Some of us think that when we're doing things in our lives and and when we leave here that the camera's not on us. We think that we've got areas of our lives that the CCTV ain't seeing. The Bible says the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Everywhere. You can't escape it. It's the big brother. It's the CCTV's watching. But he's not watching to tell you off. He's watching to call you back into a relationship with Him. And there are some things that sometimes hinder us. They get in the way. They get in the way of our relationship with the Lord. It's In Mark 11, verse 11, just before I go into, into this, I want to just show you something because it says this, Jesus enters Jerusalem before He even goes to the fig tree, before He even gets to the temple and challenges these people The day before, the evening before, it says this, Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts and he looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Jesus is, before he even approaches the fig tree, before he even goes the next day into the temple... He looks at everything that's happening. Can I just say to you today, just, just a word of encouragement and something to think about. Jesus is watching over everything in your life. And some of you think you're getting away with things. Some of you think that because he's looking at a distance, he's not going to do anything about it. But Jesus is very good at looking at things from a distance and then getting up personal and dealing with you with the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus will not stand back if we're a Christian and we want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. We sang this morning, Holy Spirit, we want we want more of you. And we've been singing about that. But when you ask for the Holy Spirit to come, he's going to get up close and personal and challenge you on some stuff. And some of us, what's happening is Jesus has looked at our lives from a distance. And his grace and his mercy holds off. But actually what he wants to do is get up close and deal with some real heart issues that you've got going on. Do you know the next thing it says is this? Let's bring the next slide it says this, Mark 11, seeing in the distance, he still not got to the fig tree, he still not got to the temple. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. See the similarity. Jesus just looked at the temple. He's had his night vision goggles on. It's evening. He's looked and seen all the activities, seen all the tables, all the merchandise, everything being sold, all of the things that are going on in the temple, the hype, the activity. But he did nothing because it was late. And he retreats. Then the next day he gets up and he's walking and sees a fig tree in the distance because he sees everything. Do you know something? Both the temple and the tree both looked fruitful. The temple had a hype of activity. The temple looked like it was buzzing. The temple looked like it got everything going for it. Revelation chapter 2 talks about the angel uh, speaking to the church of Ephesus. Or Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus, should I say. When it speaks about that, it talks about the fact that they were doing great things, but yet they'd lost their first love. We can have a hype of activity. Do you know that your life is, I believe, is, there's two aspects that God is looking at. Your fruit, your tree, and the temple. Because the Bible says this, it says that, our, 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 that the temple is now our body. So when he's looking at the temple and the hype of activity, we know now that the Holy Spirit resides in you. So he's interested in what's going on in here that no one else can see, and also what's the fruit produced on the tree of your life. There are two aspects. Do you know that people out there today, they can see your fruit. They can see your tree. Some people don't get up close enough because they don't know you close enough because you won't let them, so they see leaves and you look fruitful, but you're not fruitful, Jesus says, from a distance he saw, it looked like it was good. The temple looked like it was active. But when you get up close, and let me tell you, the Holy Ghost is very good at this because he's closer than anything you can ever think. He's the air that you breathe. When he gets up close to you, he really sees what's going on. And I want to say today that God doesn't want you to just be producing leaves that look like you're fruitful. He doesn't want you to have a temple, a hype of activity and performance, and actually there's nothing going on. Come on, I want to be a people. I want to be a church that is on fire for God. And it's the Spirit of God that's active in my life. It's not what I do. The temple and the tree both look fruitful at a distance. The two aspects of our lives, the branches, the fruit. John chapter 15 verse 6 says, Jesus says, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Jesus sees past your leaves, people. Come on. Let's just stop trying to look like we've got some artificial fruit going on. I don't like artificial fruit because when you pick it up, have you picked it up in showrooms, you've been around Ikea? Everything looks so good in Ikea. When you buy it, it's never as good, is it? Especially if you try and fit it together yourself. And the kids, they pick up artificial fruit. It's just no good. You can't eat it. You can't do anything with it. So many in the church today, we're looking at artificial fruit, things that look good. They're pleasing to the eye, to the carnal mind. But Jesus wants us to know true fruit that's produced out of our lives in a relationship with him. If you don't remain in me, you're going to be like a branch that's thrown away and withers. 1 Corinthians 6.19, Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? I want to say today that God is looking in the temple of your heart. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows all the tables that are going on. Everything that's happening that looks active, it looks good. He knows what fruit you're producing, whether you've got leaves or real fruit or artificial fruit. Come on, I want to be real for Jesus, do you? Hallelujah. Do you know there's a big moment, I'm I'm getting to my points, don't worry. There's a big moment when Jesus, he gets to the fig tree now. And he speaks to that fig tree, and then the disciples carry on walking with him, and now he's on his way to the temple. Remember, he looked at it the night before, he saw everything. Now he's going back. Now he's going to get up close and personal. Let me tell you, if you're involved in sin and you're doing something wrong, God will not hold back. He's coming back, and he will reveal. He'll deal with it. Some of you say, well, is God like that? Yeah, if you want him in your life, he is. And so he comes up and, and he approaches the temple. And come on, this is Jesus who stood back, watched. Now he's going to go into the temple courts in front of all these religious people. And he's going to start turning tables. Come on, this is, this is the kind of Jesus we're singing to. Let me tell you, Jesus is not some uh, mampy-pampy, weak person. For him to walk into the temple... And to start to turn tables. And to stop them bringing merchandise through. I mean, how he does this. He's a great multitasker, isn't he? I'm just, try, just me trying to get the kids to school in the morning is one thing. Stops merchandise coming through. And he turns these tables. And he challenges them. But he gets to the, to the crescendo of his, of, his, of his sermon. And he says this. The whole point is this, he says, my house, he's declaring scripture, he says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, it's all about prayer, he's saying, look, your activity, everything you're doing, it all looks good, the tree, it looked good from a distance, but if it ain't producing fruit, then I'm going to do some damage here, I'm going to command the tree to wither, and I'm going to challenge you to your very roots, come on, God wants to do that today. He knows why. Not because he wants to tell us off. It's because he wants the best for you. He wants to breathe in your life so you enjoy being a Christian rather than trying to be a Christian to prove something to yourself. Come on. Some of us right now, we're we're trying each week, oh, I'm just going to keep doing this because I was brought up in the faith. This is what I did. This is what my parents did. So I've got to keep doing it to keep, keep doing it. If I keep doing it, I'll feel good. Jesus does not want you to live like that. Your faith is not related to to your parents. Your faith is not related to how, how you were brought up. Your faith is related to Jesus Christ. What He wants for you. What the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. And it's good. It's good. It is good. My house will be called a house of prayer. For all nations. You know, we're responsible today for the strength of our faith tomorrow. Some of us are like, Lord, give me more faith. Well, he does give you faith. But you are responsible for how you strengthen your faith tomorrow. And that means we have to address some things that are the root issues in our life in order that sometimes it stops us from communicating with God. Now, you might want a nice fancy message where I'm going to make you feel good and God's going to make a way and all this, but come on. God can only make a way if you get into a good relationship with Him and you start understanding Him. That's where your faith's going to build. Not by me just going, God's going to make a way through the sea for you today. And you never address some of these issues. Hallelujah. Some of these things that are root issues in our lives, they're like silent killers. I mean... Whatever you think about Brexit, Brexit's now happened, and we, but all of a sudden we've got coronavirus. There's always something to worry about, everything. If I BBC News, there's always a headline, isn't there? People walking around in suits, and, and now I had a sore throat this morning, I thought, have I got the coronavirus? <laughs> Some of you won't talk to me now after. And I was was listening to uh, 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 something about the coronavirus the other day, and they said, when you get the coronavirus, and you you might start with a sore throat, which is what made me think this morning, have I got coronavirus? But when I saw the news, it said, the coronavirus, if you get it, it said, it's got a 14-day incubation period, so it's going to hang around in your system before it even shows. And can I just say, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, I want you to just encourage people that if you get it early enough, if you get these root issues in your life early enough, I'm not on about the coronavirus, don't worry. Do you need prayer for healing? We'll do healing at the end. Listen, some of us are got to get it early enough in the root issues in our life. Why? Because if we don't, they're like silent killers. And it's too late. It's too late to to deal with and manage because these things can take over our lives. Four key areas I want to look at today, and I'm going to try and go through them as quick as I can, then we're going to pray at the end. But number one is this that I believe that Jesus identifies which affects their prayer life because it's all about prayer, this it's all about speaking. Listen, it's all about commanding mountains, it's about speaking to the trees, it's about prayer. The first is this human effort. Human effort is the thing, human performance, which will sometimes make us lose our communication and stop praying and asking God to intervene because we think we can do a better job. You're a bit quiet there. Some of you think that you're okay in that area. I want to encourage you. Sometimes we can get into a place where we, in impatience... And sometimes when we feel that we don't feel God around us, that we start to act in our own strength. And what happens is we start to set up the tables in the temple. We start to set up things. We start to do things in our own strength. Jesus was showing them and saying, what's happening here is you've turned this whole place, which should be a place of relationship with my Father. You've turned this whole place that should be a place of prayer into a place of profit. You've turned this whole place in, in what should be a place of prayer and communion with the Father to performance. What you can sell and what you can buy. And what happens in our lives is it's the same. You're saying, well, I'm not, we're not in the temple. Your body is the temple. That's the new covenant. So the new covenant is this, is you can have tables and stalls set up in your life. Things that are going on and operating in your life that are actually totally contrary. And now what's happening is you're losing your communication with the Lord because you're doing it all in your own strength. Don't ever be surprised by people in church who are running around doing everything. There's too many people, I watch people sometimes, they're trying to spin too many plates. Look at me, look at all these things I'm doing. Listen, just because of someone's service in the church doesn't mean that they're submitted to him. You can spin as many plates as you want for me. You can prove that you can do every single ministry to me. But the reality is this, are you dining with the king or are you spinning plates? Jesus wants us to spend more time with him sometimes, not spinning plates for him. Do you know one of the best words someone gave me, a prophetic word years ago, is a guy involved in in evangelism for for Europe. He came up to me and he says, you've got too many fishing rods out. You're trying to fish in too many areas. I'm like, hang on, I'm supposed to be doing things for Jesus. And I realized, I thought, he's right, you know. I'm trying to fish in too many spots. I've got to focus and concentrate to reduce things. Sometimes you've got to reduce to advance. We don't like that. Reduce. Sometimes you've got to cut back. Sometimes you've got to know when to stop trying to spin plates in front of everyone to prove you're everything to everyone because performance is not what your relationship's about. That's religion. I'll tell you, you keep spinning plates, you try to do everything in the church, and I'll tell you what will happen is you'll drop one one day. And no one will be there to clear it up. It's true. God did not call us to try and be people who are impressing each other with how much ministry angles we can do in a church. Do you know one of the best things that I've learned to do is delegate and give things out to people? Because I can't do it on my own. Come on, we've got to start to say, come on, let's just release things away. Let's focus on our relationship with the Lord and the Lord's going to do far more through us. I don't want to be known in this church for how many plates I could spend. Do you know when I first took over the church, what I used to do is I used to be the worship leader and the pastor. And I met someone once and they said, oh, I've heard about your church. You've got a singing pastor. <laughs> I thought, well, the news has got out, hasn't it? And I realized that the best thing I could ever do is release my duty. So I said, as much as I like singing, I'm like, someone else do it. Then the worship team grew. It's not good for people to come in here and see me doing everything, is it? What does that say? It looks like a church that's not moving anywhere. Where was I? Human effort. The temple lost its number one focus. That's what Jesus wants to come and challenge. He's saying, I I don't want to just talk to you about prayer and just teach on prayer. He's like, before I teach, I mean, talk about a sermon illustration. Because he says he taught. I mean, how you teach after just turning tables over. But he, he throws the tables over. He causes a massive commotion. That's like the biggest sermon illustration ever. Then he says, I just want to teach you, everyone, about prayer. And he does. What he's saying is this. He said, look, everything what's happened is you are all focusing on performance. And actually, you're getting profit from it. Do you know that some churches, come on, I mean, I, I like merchandise. I've got nothing against merchandise and ministries doing merchandise. But come on, we've got to, let's stop merchandise being the focus. How many books we sell? How many mugs we sell? How many T-shirts we sell? Come on. You don't need a T-shirt from a ministry to be anointed. Some of us wear t-shirts thinking, you know, "Oh, if I put this on, I'm going I'm to get the anointing. I'm sorry if it stops the sales of some ministry, but I, I've got a bit of a problem with it because I, I just don't think, unless it's going to a great cause, the focus is Jesus. Paul did not go around, he went around making tents and trying to support himself, didn't go around making t-shirts. didn't go around making mugs. Come on. I've got all the mugs, don't worry. It's fine. But listen, I'm trying to just show you. We can end up, this becomes a distraction. It becomes such a distraction, the whole thing is like, it's like a business. We are not in a business. We're in the kingdom of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus enters, he sees the tables of activity, he sees the tables of profit, he sees all these things and from a distance it looks good. I put here the subtle danger is for a performance driven life to replace our prayer life. It's a subtle danger, it's a subtle thing that will creep in, that actually you realise that you're doing everything. It's not just about performance but actually you're helping God answer prayers. You're setting up your tables. You're doing everything because God didn't do it in the time and you wanted him to do it. So now I'm going to have to set up a stall here. I'm going to have to do something in my heart. Something's got to happen here because God ain't acting fast enough. Let me tell you, God's outside of time. He doesn't need to act in your time. And so Jesus comes in and he tells him this. He says, he he turns the tables and, and, and 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 he causes this commotion. You think that they've got him by now and handcuffed him, chucked him out of the place, but... But look, this is what happens. Because have you ever watched the pro- We had a, a, a near, near where we lived back home up north many years ago. Have you ever seen the program Hotel Inspector? The hotel inspector came to a hotel just down our road and we watched it on TV. And I watched them go in and see this, this couple who were running this hotel. And they came in to tell them all the things, all the, the things that they need to change and do so that they could be profitable in a better way than they thought. And it's amazing because even when the experts come in, they still don't listen. It's like, we're not going to do it. No, we, we know how we do it. And this is what Jesus does. He tells them what they really need to do. He's really bringing them back. And listen, think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, is right in the heart of the temple. He's preaching to them. You couldn't want much better than that, could you? To be right there in the center, Jesus is there. And this is what it says that the chief priests and the teacher of the Lord did it. it. says they heard this, Mark 11, verse 18, and began looking for a way to kill him. We're not talking about the, the preachers in. They're not saying, oh, we don't like the fact you turned the tables. Can we have a word with you after in a meeting, please? They're trying to think of a way how to murder him. Do you know that's what you can be like? You're like, how can they do that? Do you know we do it? What we do is, Jesus comes in and he's doing it today and he's challenging you on some of the stuff that's in your life that you need need to get rid of, some of these tables. And what happens is we try to kill off God's voice. I don't want that, Jesus. I don't want it because I really like my table. We sung about it earlier. All the things we desire is more precious than the beautiful diamonds, gold, silver. Is he more precious? Let me ask you, because some of you, you've got tables full of diamonds, you've got tables full of all these things that you love, and actually, you don't want to get rid of them. So, when the voice of the Holy Spirit comes in and you think, I got to get rid of this table, I don't want to get rid of my table, I like my table. What you do is you think, How can I shut off that voice? That voice is the voice that calls you to talk to Him. Prayer life. They tried to kill Him, the Son of God was speaking. To give direction, but yet they tried to kill his voice. We can do the same. We can do the same. We can try to kill his voice. Relying on our own strength rather than praying. Jesus sees all this activity, but no passion or zeal. He sees no passion or zeal. Can I just say, I really believe the Lord wants, the whole reason he does this, he wants our passion and zeal. He wants that. He wants you to have a skip in your step again about your faith. Come on. You remember when you first got saved? I remember when I first got saved, I couldn't wait to pray. I couldn't wait to shut the door off everyone. I couldn't wait to read the Bible. I could not wait. Some of you now, you ain't got time for it. And I'm not telling you off. I'm just saying, God does not want you in that place. He wants you in a place where the river's flowing in you so much. That there's a desire to get into that place and shut everything else out. I was speaking at the leadership night the other night and shared, and I felt to share it again, but I believe that sometimes what happens is if we're not careful in these times when we're relying on our performance, relying on the things we do, we start to create counterfeit rivers in our life. Years ago, I was with my kids at one of these outdoor pools in, in, one of the, in, in Greece, and we used to go and it's called a lazy river and we go around the lazy river and they create a fake current. But the, the current would always bring you back to the same place because it wasn't a real river. And that's what the enemy wants for you. He wants you to be floating on the rivers, the rivers of fake counterfeit presence. It's called performance. That you just end up coming back to the same place. But let me tell you about a river. The river of His presence, it mentions it in Ezekiel 47 verse 12. It says this, fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. This is a prophetic analogy of what is to come in the future when Jesus Christ comes. The Holy Spirit falls at Pentecost. The Holy Spirit goes out into the world. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit because the water from the sanctuary flows from them. If the water ain't flowing from God in your life, you ain't producing any fruit. And it ain't real if it is. You have to have the the, the water flowing, the, the Holy Spirit flowing from the temple of your heart. Produce the fruit that God wants to produce, Amen. Number two, the other thing that not everyone sees, but it's hidden sins. Hidden sins. You're like, aren't all sins hidden? No, some of us we, we're good at sinning. We create we create new sins every day. Hidden sins. The things that are so subtle that even you forgot about. You forgot about the things that you knew, once thought, were sinful, but now you forgot they're sinful. In fact, you don't think they're sinful anymore because you're so used to doing them. They're so much part of your life that actually they're no longer hidden sins. They're so hidden that you've got no idea. They're camouflaged to you. Hidden sins are the things that will steal us of our joy. Now, we see here it says this. Jesus says, Mark 11, 17, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. And this is what he says but you have made it a den of robbers. Now look at this. There are tables in our life sometimes that look good, and actually there's nothing wrong with them. They've occupied our space. They've occupied our time with God. And actually, God will say, well, it's good what you've done. Well done. But it's not sinful. But can I just say that what Jesus is addressing here, he says, not only are these tables, some of them maybe are good, but there is some activity going on that's criminal. How many of you know that sometimes people come, have you ever been in those shops where they might just say, well, I've been in them abroad where they'll say, you can buy this or you can have this. And they'll show you something else under the table. They'll show you a cheaper option that's tax free. I've had people come around to my house, even in England. I say, An electrician comes and he says, I say, give me a quotation for this electric job. And he'd say, well, I can do that, but... He said, I can give you a price, he gives me a price, and then he gives me another price, it's half the price. He's like, Which company is this one? He says, this is the one where I use the materials from this company, but I charge you and I'll come in the evening and do it. This is an under the table job. This is an under the table, do you want the under the table? At that point, as a Christian, you're like, oh, there any cameras around here? Does the leadership now. You are tempted? Why? Because the, this is where the devil gets you. Forget the big things. This is where the devil gets you. The little stuff. And so you're there, and you you know you got an option. Do you have an electric job done for five hundred pounds or two hundred and fifty under the table? And what Jesus is saying is, says that you've turned the house prone to a den of robbers. Because it's not just things that are good tables. Some of these tables are operating and you're stealing. And so actually there's sinful activity going on under the table. There is trade going on under the table. And can I just say to you, some of you right now, what's happening is you're saying, well, I had tables, yeah, I can get rid of them. But some of you have been operating under the table. There has been sin that's been hidden that no one else can see because it's kept so secret. These things will stop you. He says you've turned it into a den of robbers. It will steal your prayer life. It'll steal it. You think you're profiting, but it's stealing relationship. Why? Because you don't want to pray to Jesus anymore. Why? Because you feel so guilty. Do you know that Jesus never leaves you or forsakes you? Do you know that? But you leave him, you'll wander away, you won't pray to him. You won't talk to him. Why? Because you're operating under the table. There is something happening inside. You don't operate in the gifts anymore. Why? Not because the gifts were taken away from you. Because the gifts, the gifts and callings come without repentance. It's because you've lost the confidence to run in that gift. Why? Because you're operating under the table. And I want to just say today, God wants you to get rid of some of these hidden sins. Where tables look righteous on top. Looks good what you're doing, but actually, under the table, there's sin going on. Jesus sees that. These subtle sins will steal your desire to pray, it will steal the effective, effectiveness of your prayer. Psalm 66, verse 18 to 19. The psalmist says this If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I'll say that again. If I cherish sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God has surely listened and has heard my prayer. What is he saying here? The psalmist is saying, if I pray, but yet I love sin and I'm still holding on to what's going on under the table. If I still do these things, my prayer life is not, it's not getting heard. It's hitting a brass heaven. Oh, you can't say that. Jesus hears all my prayers. He's not going to hear your prayers if you like to sin and love and desire and you don't want a life of holiness. Oh, but but you can't be perfect. I didn't say you have to be perfect. I said you have to have a desire for holiness. I'm not perfect. I probably failed on the way in. In the car. I'm not I'm not trying to say that you've got to be legalistic for your prayers to get heard. But the Bible says that if we cherish this sin, if we cherish stuff and we like doing it, Paul says, I don't like doing the things I keep doing. He didn't say, oh, I love doing it, so I keep doing it. I don't want to do the things, I just keep doing them and there's a battle going on. There's a difference between someone coming to you and saying, I don't like doing these things, I I just really want to stop, Lord. God sees that. To the people who say, do you know what? No one knows about this. I'm going to keep doing it, but I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. If we cherish that sin, do you know what the message version says? It says this, if I had been cozy with evil, the Lord would never have listened. Some of us have got to stop getting cozy with sin. Some of us have got to get, stop getting cozy under the table with sin. And we've got to start saying, God, it's time to come out. It's time for me to come out and reveal that actually I don't want to stay there anymore. I don't want to be there. I don't want to get cozy there. Because it's affecting my prayer life with you. Under the table. Activity. In Acts chapter 3, Peter said this. He says, repent and turn to God that what times of refreshing may come. We said this in a prayer meeting the other week. We, we gathered together to pray. We were supposed to go to the streets. And I felt the Lord speak to me and say, I want you to share Acts chapter 3 when Peter says, repent and turn to God. So that times of refreshing may come. If some of you were here for, for Dwayne White's message the other night. And his word for the year, he comes with a word for the year and he preaches around the whole country. Whatever it is, 15 preachers, he'll take the same word, feels the Lord's put in his heart. And he said, the word is this, fresh. And we were like, wow, we, you know, we were looking at times of refreshing come from the Lord. Acts chapter 3, just the other week. And I believe God just wanted to speak right into, into what we were doing. But can I just say this? I love Dwayne. And I love the word of the year. But listen to me, people. You can't have times of refreshing without times of repentance. Dwayne said, we're going to get bread, new bread, fresh bread. We're going to get fresh oil and fresh fire. Come on, I want all of that. And I'm sure you do. But you can't have fresh bread, fresh oil and fresh fire without fresh repentance in your life. Oh, don't preach that for we don't like repentance. No, we need to turn, repent and turn to the Lord. That what times of refreshing <sighs> may come. Some of us we don't come out to the front anymore. We don't, we don't need, we don't need an altar call. We can just. We don't need to go to an altar call. Why do we need an altar call? Why do we need to come and we don't need to I, I'm I'm right where I am, I know where I am, I can repent and turn to the Lord later on when I'm cooking the dinner. I don't I'm not saying this place is special. What I'm trying to tell you is this. There is a significant thing when we bow our knee and say, God, I've sinned against you. It's not about that this carpet's got an anointing. It's not that I've got an anointing that's going to change everything for you. But it tells you that sometimes when we come and we bow and we say, God, I repent and turn to you that you will refresh me again. I want that refreshing. I want the fresh bread, the fresh oil and the fresh fire. But I realize that Times of refreshing come after times of repentance. Hallelujah. Third thing is this, that can trouble us and hinder our walk is a heart of doubt. Heart of doubt. Same story. Jesus now, he leaves the temple and he's on his way back and they're walking now past the fig tree that the day before he'd spoke to. How many of you have you spoke to things and you've prayed for things and it just didn't happen when you asked. And you're like, Jesus, come on. I just need to give you a lesson in timing here. I asked for this, it should have happened by now. And I believe that the guys, when they saw this, they're like, Well, he spoke to that. I've seen him speak to wind and waves before. And they calmed immediately. But we don't see anything happening here with this tree. Maybe Jesus' power's reduced a little bit. The next day they walk back and Peter sees it. Let's see what he says. Verse 20, in the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you've cursed has withered. He says, Jesus, look, look, look. You remember yesterday? Jesus like, remember yesterday? I spoke to that tree, I made the tree. Remember yesterday, look, you said to that tree. You've got to think what's been happening in between this. He's just been shouting to the whole temple, teaching them on prayer. Teaching on prayer. Teaching on communication with his Father. And now he's like, look, Jesus. The tree's withered from the roots. And Jesus then goes into a next sermon and says, you still ain't got it, have you? If you understand, actually, if you have no doubt in your heart, and you believe, and you really know, In your heart, you can say to a mountain, be moved. Can I just remind you that the same Peter that is looking at that tree and saying, Jesus, look, do you know this is the same Peter who's walked on the water before this? Hang on. You walked on water, Peter, and now you're finding it amazing that a tree's withered in that time? You walked on water. You've seen 5,000 people plus women and children fed, but yet you're surprised at a bit of tree withering in the speed it did. But yet when you stepped out of the boat, immediately you could stand on water. The same Peter sees this. And what Jesus is saying is, look, you can, you're doubting. Because disciples doubt, friends. No, we don't. Yes, you do. Thomas doubted. Look what Jesus did for him. Come on. Don't you just love it that Jesus loves the doubters? That he comes and and shows himself, comes through locked doors for you. He'll break into your life. He'll show you when you're doubting at your most lowest point. And he'll say, look, look. Look at the wounds in my hand. I'm reminding you again, son, daughter. Just because you doubted me, I'm still here. I'm still here. And he says to Peter, he says, don't doubt. You see, what they saw that day had actually begun the previous day. When Jesus spoke to it, I believe that those, that tree began to wither. And then they saw the results of it the next day. They saw, and sometimes, can I just say this, what you've prayed for yesterday, you said God's not doing anything. But can I say that in that process of time, you don't know what's happening under the roots. You don't know what's happening in your life right now in your family. You don't know that situation you've been praying for, believing for, and you can't see it on the outside because the leaves are still there, and you, it just doesn't look like anything's happening. Nothing's happening. I've prayed for this for two, three years, four years, ten years, twenty years. Prayed for my husband. Prayed for my wife. Nothing's happening. Jesus is saying, "Don't trust in what you can see. There's more." Because when, it, when, when I spoke to it yesterday, I knew something was happening immediately. Your faith is not about what you see. He said, wow, Jesus, wow. So easily he lost some of his faith and started to doubt. Can I just say this? Have you noticed this? Jesus doesn't turn around to him and say, look, yeah, I see the tree. I see it withering. I see the roots, Peter, Yeah. And, and then give a lesson on. Look, if you believe in me, you can make trees wither. No, do you know what Jesus does? This is what I love about Jesus. He doesn't talk about the tree. He's like, no, I'm going to talk to you about mountains. Yeah, but I'm just getting over the tree. This is amazing. The tree can wither. And he says, no, no, no. I want to talk to you about even bigger stuff because nothing is big to me. The mountains is just the same as the tree. The tree is the same as the water. The tree is the same as 5,000 people on a hill because nothing is any different to me. It's all the same. So Peter, stop focusing on what's good about the tree and realize the mountains that you see, you can speak to them. Some of you are so discouraged in an unanswered prayer or you're saying, I think you're working in this area and God's like, stop focusing on that and start speaking to some of them other bigger stuff. Oh, but you're so wrapped up in what's not getting answered in the time. Come on, let's start to speak to some of the big things in our lives that are big to us. Nothing's big to him. He says, truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart. There we see it. If doubt's there and it starts to creep in. And do you know where, can I just say, doubt is built up in your life through a lack of relationship. When you're not getting close to the Lord, how are you going to feel faith rising up? Faith comes by hearing the word, doesn't it? So when you read the word each day and you're going to get that fed into, you're going to, and and I'm talking about spending time with the Lord after you've read and start to listen to his voice, faith's going to start to rise up. When you face stuff and you pray for things, it's not going to feel as big. I want to just ask you the question, if you're so overwhelmed with life circumstances right now, stuff that's happening in your life and your life, if only Pastor Phil knew how big this is and and I've just tried and tried, have you really tried spending time with Jesus? Come on. Have you really? Sometimes when I go to the doctors and and he he says to me, and I I, I ask him for some symptoms, the worst thing I hear is when he gives me a piece of paper printed out with a load of exercises to do. I'm like, I just want I just want a tablet. Give me a tablet. He's there on his printer. Do this exercise. You do this each day. I don't want exercises. If you do that over a period of time, it'll go. No, I don't want that. I want a tablet. I'm used to ibuprofen. We want quick fixes. We don't want to spend time. We don't want to spend time reading. We don't want to spend time doing things. But listen, if you do it, eventually you'll see that you'll become Stronger. You'll become stronger in the faith. you become stronger in your relationship with God. Then you will overcome doubt. Do you know how Peter overcome the doubt? He says, Peter, remembered. Do you know what? You've got to remember what he did yesterday. Some of you are like, I can't believe God to just get me through this season, this situation, this storm, and this thing that I'm facing right now in my life. Do you know what you've got to do? Peter remembered, ha, huh? Jesus, you spoke to that yesterday. Some of you right now know that there are withered trees that he dealt with yesterday, last year, three years ago. You know, and the devil wants you to forget, because the best thing the devil can do is, is get you to forget. Because if he can get you to forget, then you've got no testimony to restore, to restore yourself back to faith again. Testimony say, God, do it again. So if I, if I remember what you did for my family, if I remember that when I'm now going through a crisis, that I remember that when I was a young boy at about 13 years of age and my sister nearly died within 24 hours of meningitis, but God rescued her and saved her and she's healed. She has two children now and she's completely restored. I remember when I'm 13, that tree. If he did it then, then this mountain that's so huge in my life, That now I feel like I'm dying, let alone someone else. This is too big for me to deal with. I remember the tree. Come on, some of you got to remember. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, he said to Rabbi, look. Some of you got to say, get into your prayer closet and say this. Stop begging him to try and sort the problem out and say, Jesus, thank you for what you did in 2002. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did in 1997 when I was at the last bit, when I felt like nothing, nothing else could happen. And you came through. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you, there's something in thanksgiving. When you thank God for what he's done. If I look back on my life, I realize there's so many things he's done. You thank him. It will build your faith. You'll start to say, hang on a sec. I can see this mountain get moved prayer, communication. Jesus does not want to tell Peter off. He wants him to understand there's power in prayer. There's power in prayer. Come on, some of you need to get back into the prayer closet. Come on, seek determination, not doubt. Have a determination. Say, God, I'm gonna start believing you in twenty twenty this year I want fresh bread, fresh oil, I want it all, but I want to I wanna turn to you again. In that closet. And finally I come to close. And the fourth thing is this it's very key this, very key. Is held offences. Do you, know one of the, do you know what's amazing? You, you, you go in and I'd encourage you to read this whole story. It's all about prayer. It's all about speaking. Come on, prayer. He's teaching him about this. And then he gets right to the end. He's just, he's just had a massive sermon in the temple. But he gets right to the very end of this story we see here. He's just told him about speaking to mountains. And you love going to conferences when people say, you can speak to the mountain. It's going to be moved. We love all that. And it's true. But we see here. Another underlying root. It's a caveat that Jesus says is going to hinder your prayers again. And it's unforgiveness. After Jesus just talked about the power of moving mountains. Saying to throw into the sea. If you have no doubt, Peter, you can do all this stuff. You can communicate. You can speak to things. We've just heard it in the temple. You've got to get rid of all this stuff. If you do all these things, it's great. But one last thing to mention to you in Verse 25. I just need to get a key thing to you. It's a root issue that you may not have clocked yet. When you stand praying, here it is again. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Jesus is saying, unforgiveness Unforgiveness is going to make us ineffective. We don't like that. We love to hear the words of speak to mountains, pray, prayers get answered. I'm I'm on fire for Jesus. I got fresh bread. I got fresh oil. I'm so fresh. I'm so fresh. Look at me, I'm fresh. Fight look at me i 'm such a good look look, we can do all that, but actually, deep down, right now, you know as I speak these words, and it 's the final thing I want to say today, because I believe God wants to speak to some people right now there 's a root just being struck in your heart that you did not you 'd suppressed it you 'd put it aside you 'd said no i 'm going de- i 'm going to leave that because i 'm going to focus on my feelings, not my unforgiveness. My feelings, if I feel good, I have a coffee on the morning, I feel good and I just come to church and I feel good and I look happy and and I I sing them songs and I I look happy and I feel happy. I suppress it. But listen, this is an underlying root problem that's going to ruin your life. Unforgiveness. There are some people in this room, people have hurt you big time. Very badly. Very badly. They've hurt you so much. And at first... You felt the pain, but now you've compartmentalized it. Now you've shoved it in that little drawer. You understand when you read Sea of Forgetfulness about sins that I've got a box called My Forgetfulness Box, and I'm going to put it there, and it's never going to come back, but listen to me, it will. And it will ruin your faith. Jesus is saying, I've, I've just preached all this message about prayer. I've just shown you you can speak to trees. I've just shown you, Peter, that you can speak to mountains. You can, you can have an amazing prayer life. You can heal the sick. You can do all these things. But verse 25, if, you, if you're standing praying, Peter, if you're standing saying all these things, and you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Oh, I don't like that, Jesus. That's what we like. We don't want to hear it again. We kill off the voice. But listen to me. I'm only telling you this because these things, if you don't draw them back out and you bring them to the surface, you will produce leaves rather than fruit. You won't have a fruitful life. And Jesus wants you to have a fruitful life. How many of you want to be starting to pray and see your prayers getting answered? How many of you want to start praying for the sick and you see people get healed? How many of you want to be healed but maybe you're not getting healed because there's unforgiveness in your heart? Come on. I believe this is a key thing today, and it's something that's not preached on many times in the church unforgiveness. Some of you right now know there's a person in your mind right now that you know that you've got to forgive them, but it's so hard to even bring them back out of that box. Let me tell you, God wants you to do it. Listen, Christ forgave you, He forgave you. You have no excuse. Yeah, but you don't understand the pain. I understand the pain. When people have hurt me, I understand it. But I understand that there's power in forgiveness. Do you know, one of the, do you know what I love? Some of the best news stories that come on is when they bring people on, they say, and presenters will say, it's generally you'll see Christians come on, and they've forgiven someone who's probably killed someone in their family. And they'll say this, they'll say, I'm just overwhelmed by the power of forgiveness. How they could do that. It's one of the things I love to watch because I love watching people declare forgiveness because it is one of the most powerful things. That's why the cross of Jesus Christ for you is the most powerful thing. Because Christ died for you while you were still a sinner. Even though you're righteous like filthy rags, even though you look disgusting before him, he says, no, you're precious to me, children. I love you so much that I died for you. For the joy set before you, I endured the cross scorning its shame. He saw you and he saw beauty. Ephesians 4.32, Paul says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Because I'm not going to go into it now, there's that story of that, the merciful servant, the person who gets all the debt clear. Millions of pounds cleared gives this example and he says that he goes straight out and the first thing he does is gets hold of someone and says where's my fiver some of us are like that we do not if you understand you've been forgiven much you will love much and I want to just say to you for 2020 if you want fresh bread, fresh oil and fresh fire, come on let's start forgiving people but let's, not just, let's not ride on a, on a Tuesday night word let's ride on the truth of God's word Let's ride on that and say, yeah, we want all that. We want everything you got, but we want to forgive people, Jesus. We want to do We want to do this, the whole thing, right down to the root, not the surface, because I don't want to get to 2020 at the end and look like I've got some tree that's blooming, but actually, if you got close, it's just leaves. If the worship team could come back, that'd be good. Hopefully, that's helped you today. I really believe the Holy Spirit wants to reveal these things in our lives. There's stuff every one of us know right now. And I, I could talk on one whole sermon about unforgiveness. But I wanted to bring some of these areas on prayer. Because I really believe that this year we need to start getting close to the Lord in prayer. So we've got to get rid of some of these issues. If Everyone can stand.